Information presented on this program and by its guests is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Discussions and answers to questions do not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice, but are limited to the dissemination of general information and may not be suitable for members of the listening audience. A professional advisor, attorney, or tax professional should be consulted before implementing any of the strategies presented. Are you retired or getting close? Welcome to Retirement Lifestyles with Patrick McNally, where it's all about having the health, wealth, and freedom you need to live your dream retirement. Are there challenges on the way? You bet. Inflation, the economy, and the ups and downs of today's markets will try to rob you of your dreams. But take heart and take notes, because what you're about to learn will put you on the winning side of life for the rest of your life. Now, here's the host of Retirement Lifestyles, Patrick McNally. Hello, everybody. Patrick McNally here, your favorite financial advisor. I want to welcome you to the Retirement Lifestyle Show, where it's all about having the health, wealth, and freedom to live your dream retirement. Now, if you are already retired or you're getting close and you've been sacrificing, you've been putting money away, you've been saving into those retirement accounts like IRAs, Roth IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, and all the other ones out there. Guys, this is the show for you because I'm here to talk about money, specifically talk about your money and how to make it last in retirement. I'm going to teach you about all of the six core areas of financial planning like risk management, cash management, investment concepts, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. I know that's a mouthful, but oftentimes, guys, retirement planning can feel like a thousand different puzzle pieces kind of floating around in outer space, and I want to help bring that together. Most importantly, you're going to discover how to plan for the number one thing you need in retirement, which is income. That's right. Income is the number one thing that you have to plan for in retirement. And better than that, how about some tax-free income? I want to teach you how to achieve tax freedom in retirement. So you don't have to worry about Uncle Sam coming in. You know, he's always changing the rules. He's always trying to come after your retirement savings just because he can't balance his own checkbook and afford all of his stuff. He's coming after yours. So here's the deal. Most people would agree that taxes really only have one way to go in the future, and that is up. So learning how to control future taxation is key. So we've got some different concepts we always want to be bringing up to help you control taxes. Folks, I'm the owner of Retirement Lifestyles Advisors, which is an independent, registered investment advisory firm specializing in retirement income strategies, and we are a fiduciary for our clients. Now, for over 22 years, I've helped people just like you plan for an amazing retirement, and I've been talking about it live now on the air for over 12 years, or by podcast, which some of you are listening to right now. But what I've found is this, you guys. Most people worry in retirement, and you know what they worry about? They worry about their income. They worry about healthcare, inflation, the stock market, higher taxes. And if you're feeling this way, trust me, it's normal. But I do want to say this. You can control those fears. And the best way to do it is with a plan. So I'm going to help you build your plan and guide you through, again, this giant puzzle-like maze we call retirement. But you need to remember that retirement planning isn't just a one-time thing. It needs to be reviewed. It needs to be updated. Sometimes it needs to be changed each and every year to match your current long-term and changing goals. Hey, the government changes their rules all the time in regards to your savings. So you need to be prepared and armed with new knowledge 
that you can beat them at their own game. All right, guys, we're in the month of March 2023, and this month we're talking about investment management and specifically investment concepts. And today I'm going to be talking about the different types of investments that you can choose from. I'll be be breaking down stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, annuities, and all that stuff. I'll also talk about how they all work together in a balanced portfolio. I'll also be opening up the old mailbag and get into a recent Facebook post that I really liked from one of our retirement groups. And then I'm going to answer a few FAQs about your IRAs and then wrap up the show with some action items that you can implement right away. Throughout the show, you're going to have the opportunity to receive a free copy of my book, Retirement Planning 101, by visiting patrickmcnally.com. While you're there, schedule a free 30-minute phone call with me. I'll answer any of those questions that you got. All right, we got a lot to get to, and here's what you do next. Go refill your coffee, grab your pen and notepad, and I'll be back in two minutes. Don't touch that dial. Patrick will be right back. Hey guys, pardon the quick interruption. I'll get back to the show in just a minute. But I want to give you the opportunity to get a free copy of my book, Retirement Planning 101, a simple guide to navigating retirement. It's eight chapters packed with tips and strategies on how to prepare for an awesome retirement. I go through investments, estate planning, social security, and more. Simply visit patrickmcnally.com and request a copy. That website again is patrickmcnally.com. Throughout the book, I'm going to explain the importance of planning ahead and focusing on income strategies that are going to set you up for success and lead you to a retirement lifestyle of abundance. I'll also be teaching you about the Retirement Lifestyles Income Plan, my custom financial planning process and investment strategy with the objective of providing inflation-adjusted income for life. This book is packed with all kinds of strategies, and you can get your free copy right now at patrickmcnally.com. Welcome back to Retirement Lifestyles. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, my name is Patrick McNally. This show is Retirement Lifestyles. And um, just as a reminder, this show is a live radio show, but you can catch it on podcasts. And if you're listening to it on podcasts, thank you very much. You can catch it on iTunes, Google, Amazon, Spotify, all the major areas. If uh, you miss any of the parts and you want to catch up, would highly recommend you do that. You can also go to the website. Go to patrickmcnally.com up in the right-hand corner. You can click on radio show and catch it there as well. But what I'm going to be getting into... Um, for this month. We're in the month of March 2023, and each month I do a a different segment, if you will, of financial planning. And right now we're in uh, investment management, investment concepts, and today I want to walk through basically the different types of investments that you have choices of. And this will especially be for retirees. I'm going to get into some things like annuities um, to a degree. Um, But at the same time, this is going to be a little bit of high-level and um, as always, if you got questions about something that I talk about on the show, would uh, recommend that you schedule a phone call with me. The call's free, and we'll love to hear from you and answer those questions. You can go to talktopatrick.com to do that. But let's get into it. I first want to start off a kind of a, a quick review 
um, from last week, actually, when I talked about diversification. And that's why we have all these different types of investments. We want to diversify. What does that actually mean? And so, because it's kind of a buzzword, honestly. You know, you talk to different advisors or, you know, depending on what kind of show you're watching on TV, you're going to hear that word a lot, diversify, diversify. The reason we diversify is to reduce risk. But do not think that diversification eliminates risk because it does not. Diversifying is basically when you distribute distribute your different investment holdings, if you will, among different asset classes. Well, okay, maybe we should get into that. What exactly is an asset class? What classifies as an asset class? And it's things like cash, um, debt instruments like bonds, equities, stocks, um, different things like real estate, precious metals, gold, you know, stuff like that, mutual funds. These are different asset classes. These are things that you can use, um, but you could, they could pretty much be grouped into like five different general categories. And I just mentioned those like debt instruments, like bonds, equities, and different tangible things. So those are what we, we call asset classes, the different things that you can invest in. Now, once you kind of break down and get into this, you start going, well, there's got to be more to these asset classes because those are just kind of general. So let's, let's talk about maybe stocks. Like what, what, what kind of stocks do I have to pick from? And then you start breaking down into things that we call sectors. And sectors are kind of the, the actual sub-areas um, like communications, consumer discretionary, consumer staples, energy, financials, healthcare, industrials, you know, things like that. These are all the different areas that you can buy stocks in. And then guys, guess what? You can even break down some of those into subcategories. Like for example, in energy, you can have coal and consumable fuels, oil and gas exploration, oil and gas drilling, you know, so you go into the, all these different areas, you know, like consumer staples, agricultural products, soft drinks, tobacco, household products. So you can kind of get a sense that this thing can just go on and it can get very, very granule. And so that's honestly, that's where an advisor can come in and help you put all this stuff together. But those are all the different areas that you can invest in. And when you invest in these areas, you become what we can call diversified. Now, I will say this as well. You can actually over-diversify. And a lot of times we see that. And I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but, you know, that's okay. A lot of times I, I like to just kind of mention things that pop into my mind as, as this show is going on. But you can actually over-diversify. And one of the ways we see that is with mutual funds for sure. You know, it's, it, with stocks, if you own individual stocks, that's one thing. But if you own mutual funds, or ETFs for that matter, and I'm going to break those down, but if you own mutual funds and they're basically like a basket of stocks, you own more than one fund, you could actually own the same stock over and over again. Not even know it. And, and don't feel bad if you don't know it because 99 out of 100 people who come to see me, I can ask them, well, what's inside that fund? They couldn't tell me one stock. So they just kind of know the name of the fund. And a lot of times people think that they're just investing in the fund. Okay, I'm totally jumping ahead. I'm going to save that because I want to break down funds. Let's keep going with um, the different asset classes and, and kind of keep this in order. Because the first thing I do want to talk about is stocks. 
you know, using individual stocks, kind of the oldest way that you could invest. Stocks basically represent an ownership in a company. Um, I'm, I'm not going to mention any companies. I Sometimes I, I have to like walk back when I say things over the air, especially in live. But I'm just going to make up a company. I'm going to call it company ABC. There we go. And when you own stock, you own you are an actual owner of company ABC. When you buy it in that corporation, you become a part owner of the company because you are pooling your money, your capital, with that of other investors also who have purchased that stock. Now, when you own one company, two companies, three companies, 30 different companies, that's how you can become more diversified with stock. For example, if you if you own stock in like a dividend portfolio, you probably if you've ever heard my show before, you know I'm a big fan of dividend portfolio, dividends in retirement, you know, getting a paycheck, you know, making your portfolio work for you, and that's what dividends do. But if you own 30 different companies, you could be plenty diversified, especially if you do it by by paying attention to the sector that those companies live in. For example, communications, energy, financials, healthcare. There's hundreds, if not thousands, of companies that fall under those different sectors. Well, what if you owned three or four in in each of those sectors? Well, there's 11 main sectors. If you own three of them, there's 33 companies right there. That is one way you can diversify. But a lot of people don't think that way. They think that owning individual stocks is a little bit too risky. And I'm actually going to get into a little definition of risk a little bit later on and what that actually means. But owning stock means that you are an owner of that company. You have voting rights um, when when the companies come. They're called proxies. If you want to vote on an, you know the board of directors, if there's a new CEO coming in, you get to vote on that. You have the opportunity as an owner to vote that way. Um, so next in line from a stock or an equity would be something that we call, you know, and I'm going to kind of switch things up a little bit. I was going to go right into bonds, but I'm going to do bonds last, actually. I'm, I'm going to go into ETFs and funds. So a lot of people don't really understand like what a mutual fund is because they actually think that buying the mutual fund is the investment itself. Well, it's not. It's You've got all kinds of stocks inside of a mutual fund. And the reason that these came out a long, long time ago is because originally, you know, early, you know, early in the 1900s, even earlier than that, when you wanted to invest in a company, people would, you know, come to you and say, hey, invest in our company. And you had limited funds. So you're like, oh man, I, you know, okay, I'll invest with you. That's why you became an owner. Later on down the road, people went, what's an easier way to own a whole lot more companies? without actually owning the stock itself. Voila, mutual fund. A mutual fund is like a giant basket of stocks. Could be 20 companies, it could be thousands of companies. But you gotta remember that when you own a mutual fund, you actually don't own the stock inside the mutual fund. You own a percentage of the overall value of that fund, okay? It's a very important distinction between owning the stock and owning a owning a you know shares in a fund. 
you got to picture a mutual fund like a giant community swimming pool. You know, you share all the ups and downs of all the companies inside that pool with everybody else who invests in that fund. Now, you've also heard of these things called ETFs or exchange traded funds. Well, there's a few few distinct differences. ETFs popped on the scenes as a way to, number one, reduce fees, and number two, trade like a stock throughout the day. You see, right now, when you, when you own a mutual fund, if you want to go sell that fund, for example, you can only sell it one time during the day, and that's at the end of the day. But what if the fund is cranking early on in the day and you want to sell it then? Sorry, you got to wait till the end of the day. What if the fund totally tanks by the end of the day? That's what you sold it at. So ETFs kind of solved that problem. ETF came in and said, you know what? We want to be able to have a whole basket of, of stocks and trade it like a stock throughout the day whenever we want to trade it. So that's how ETFs burst onto the scene. And they've also reduced a lot of the fees and expenses inside of the fund. Because you see, when you own a stock directly with, say, ABC Company, you purchase that stock, that's it. It's the share price. It's the money you invest. There's no, unless you have an advisor, there's no other fees or expenses or, you know, costs like that. Unlike a mutual fund, you have a, a fund manager. You've got people employed that run that fund and they charge fees inside of that fund. So not only did you pay to invest in the fund itself based on the price of the fund, but now you've got all these fees inside. They're kind of cooked into the pie, if you will. Most people don't even understand what they're paying in expenses and fees because they don't actually print them on your statements, which is ridiculous. You got to go find out what those expenses are. And don't be surprised. It could be 1%, 2%. I've seen them as high as 3%, depending on the type of fund that it is, of internal expenses that you pay out of your returns. You just don't see it. ETFs helped with that because ETFs predominantly um, own what's called indexes, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to define here in just a second. But ETFs were able to reduce the, the expenses because the fund manager is not actively trading most of the time inside of an ETF. Unlike a fund where the fund manager is going, okay, I'm going to sell ABC and I'm going to replace it with XYZ because I got to feel it, you know, whatever. And that's called turnover inside the account and adds all kinds of extra trading costs as well. So you don't have any control over that. You don't have control over what's actually bought or sold inside of a mutual fund or an ETF for that matter. Unlike owning the stock direct, you can say, you know what, I'm going to sell that stock and replace it with something else. You're in control. Not so with a mutual fund or an ETF. So it's very, very important to understand the differences there because most people with their 401ks, especially at work, they don't have a choice to own individual stocks. You've got a choice of a bunch of funds, ETFs and mutual funds. So let's go to the index thing because you've probably heard that before. What is an index and what is an index fund? Index fund usually refers to what is called what an ETF, but an index simply is, again, like a, a basket of stocks that have been chosen by somebody. You ever heard of the Dow Jones? How about the S&P 500? How about the NASDAQ? These are different trading, you know, the, the so what happens when you own the Dow Jones, you've heard that one because most people hear that one every night on the news. The Dow Jones was up 500 points today or it was down 1,000 points. The Dow Jones actually represents the top 30 companies in the United States. It's the oldest, it's the best known, 
well-known index out of any of them. But at the end of the day, they own 30, 30, 30 companies out of the thousands of companies that are available to us in the United States. All companies that they own are from major, you know, they're, they're major players in their industry. These are huge companies. And honestly, it typically represents about 25 to 30% of the total U.S. stock market are in these 30 companies. And that's why we hear about the Dow Jones Industrial Index. Another index you've heard of is the S&P 500. Quick uh, quick little pop quiz here. How many companies do you think is in the S&P 500? You guessed it, 500. 500 of the leading companies from all sectors of the economy. So much like the Dow Jones, but it owns 500 of the top companies in the United States. And then what about the NASDAQ? NASDAQ composite is another index of about 3,000 stocks, and they're primarily tech stocks. And so now next time you hear these on the news, you're going to understand, oh, okay, that's what those indexes own. Well, these co- a lot of companies got together and said, hey, how can we just track the market, if you will, because a lot of people, when they say, what did the market do today? They're referring to either the Dow Jones or the S&P 500. And because it becomes kind of a benchmark to compare your portfolio to. It's very normal to do. That's what people do. They're like, well, how did, how did my uh, 401k do against the S&P 500? So you kind of compare and match, which can be okay. But most of the time, it's kind of apples to oranges. Because unless you own the same 500 companies inside of the S&P 500, well, you're kind of comparing it to, you know, Again, apples to oranges. If you don't own the exact same companies, they're not the same. You can't really compare it. Do you kind of see what I'm saying? So anyway, that's neither here nor there. The point is, is that ETFs basically mirror a lot of these indexes. And that's why you've maybe heard of some of these companies that you have an S&P 500 ETF in your 401k as a choice. And that's how you could purchase the same companies that are listed in the S&P 500 index, and then you track the market, okay? So that's stocks, ETFs, mutual funds. All right, now what is a bond? Bond is kind of on the opposite spectrum of owning an equity. Bond is basically a debt instrument. It's it's evidence of a debt. Essentially, bonds represent a long-term IOU. You are lending a company your money in return for interest, okay? So when you when you buy a bond, you are basically saying, okay, I'm going to loan you $10,000, company XYZ, and in return, you're going to pay me 5% a year, okay? That's owning bonds. Now, a lot of times, bonds have kind of been I think sometimes misunderstood as safer inside of your portfolio as a way to diversify. I'll get into that in just a minute when I talk about what risk is. But bonds can be a good way to generate interest. There are different risks associated with bonds. I'm not a huge fan of bonds um, for a couple of reasons. Um, Number one is that, yes, you're getting interest on your money and you will eventually get your principal back, the, the, the money that you paid. You could also lose money. You could lose principal. And we, we've seen a lot of that lately because interest rates are going up. you got to understand that interest rates and bond rates kind of have this reverse relationship. 
the the big nerdy word is inverse relationship, but it's kind of just an opposite. So when when interest rates start to rise, your bond value actually drops, and the reason for that is because if you wanted to go sell your bond, let's say you're getting a, you've got a bond that's paying you four percent, and then you find out later on that the exact same bond is paying six percent, you're like, well, I don't want to get four percent, I want six. But now you got to go sell your bond to somebody who's willing to buy it at four percent. While at the same time, they could go buy the, the same bond at six. Well, why would they do that? You have to do what's called discount your bond, which is sell it at a loss in order to get rid of it. So that is one way that people can actually lose a portion of their principal with bonds is they sell it at a loss. So not a huge fan of bonds. There's other things out there that, that I think could be, could be better. But that brings up risk. And in the in with with risk, I like to do what's called or explain this in a way of what I call the three worlds of investing. The three worlds of investing I break down into one, the world of safety, the world of risk. They're on opposite spectrums of each other. And then in the middle, I could could never really come up with a great name for this middle, so I'm just gonna call it Middle Earth. But these are the three worlds of investing that you can essentially break down and put every asset class into and safe money you're going to have things like like bank savings CDs money market accounts things like that that are that are that have like an an insurance protection like FDIC fixed annuities can go into those that world um, and the the problem with that world is that is that it pays low interest right you got to give something to get something so if you want more safety you got to give up some of the return. Now you go over to the world of risk and you could throw in things like stocks, bonds, ETFs, mutual funds, all that stuff because you now have, you don't have an insurance protection. You could lose money, but what also? You have unlimited upside potential, right? So that's why it would go into the world of risk. Then you have this middle earth where you can have different types of annuities. You could have um, index annuities, fixed annuities. These are things that the financial companies have come up with as a way to blend you know, risk and safety. And the reason they did that, did that was to give you a little extra return for your money, but have the same type of insurance protection. And that's where things like annuities can live. And annuity simply is a payment for life um, or a payment for a guaranteed period of time. Uh, an annuity is, is basically like a pension, and that could actually be its own asset class, in my opinion. So guys, that is the different types of investments that are available to you. If you've got questions about you know, the three worlds of investing, how to build a portfolio, a percentage that's right for you, I would encourage you to go to talktopatrick.com. Let's schedule a phone call, and we can talk about it. I'm going to go to a break. While I'm there, you can go grab a free copy of my book, Retirement Planning 101, at patrickmcnally.com. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back in two minutes. You're listening to Retirement Lifestyles with Patrick McNally. The number one cause of bankruptcy in retirement is healthcare-related costs. So fitness needs to be a part of your financial planning. Check out my gym, Strong City Strength and Conditioning, right down on Victor Avenue. They have a new group class called Longevity on Tuesdays and Thursdays designed for people age 55 and better. If you want to have fun and get fit, then visit StrongCityStrengthAndConditioning.com. That's StrongCityStrengthAndConditioning.com. Mention the show and get your first week for free. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show today. I'll be back in just a few minutes, but if you haven't had the chance to get your free copy of my book, Retirement Planning 101, this is a great time to do it. Well, unless you're driving. <laughs> in that case, remember this website and visit it when you get home. 
patrickmcnally.com. That's patrickmcnally.com. This book has all the tips and strategies that I talk about each week on the show. It's eight easy-to-read chapters that you can probably finish in a few short hours and then implement right away. I show you how to set up a predictable, safe, and consistent retirement income, how to understand what rates of return you need to protect your life savings, how to plan ahead for the major proposed cuts to your Social Security checks, and much more. Consider this book your personal guide to navigating retirement safely. Order your free copy today at patrickmcnally.com. That's patrickmcnally.com. Say it with me one more time, patrickmcnally.com. Are you worried about the current U.S. economy, inflation, the pandemic? Then it's time to schedule a free retirement checkup call with Patrick. The world is changing every day, and your life savings is too important to be at risk. If you want to feel confident and secure in retirement, then simply visit TalkToPatrick.com and reserve a free checkup call on his calendar. Remember the website, TalkToPatrick.com. Don't wait. This is too important. TalkToPatrick.com. Okay, guys, welcome back to the show. If you're just joining me, this is Retirement Lifestyles. I am your host, Patrick McNally, your favorite financial advisor. If you ever have questions for me, I would love to either schedule a phone call with you, um, you know, or find a time, you know, you can stop by the office if, if that's more convenient. But if you want a phone call with me, I want you to visit talktopatrick.com. And what will happen is you're going to go online, you'll find my calendar, just find a day and a time that works for you. And I block off 30 minutes. The call is free. And um, you are welcome to talk about any of your personal planning or you know something maybe you heard on the show here that you wanted me to clarify. Um, would love to hear from you. TalkToPatrick.com. If you haven't had a, a chance to get a free copy of my book, you can visit PatrickMcNally.com and order a free copy today. And uh, it should be right there, right when you hit the website. Scroll down a little bit and you just put in your name, email, and we'll send it to you. Really easy. And uh, it's Retirement Planning 101. This next segment, I'm going to get into a couple of things. And this is what I call my mailbag segment. And you've heard me talk about some of the groups that I'm a part of on Facebook, um, some of the retiree groups. And there's there's a number of them on there. Um, a couple of the ones I'm with, I mean, they've got like 22,000 members and great questions, great comments, funny jokes, just a great group of people to be a part of. And really those groups get into some great discussions on, you know, retirement, retirement planning, not just investments, but life, um, all kinds of things. And I've got two things I want to mention um, today, two posts I want to walk through. One kind of deals with, you know, uh, where you want to finally end up living in retirement. And then one deals with beneficiaries, which is a big deal to me. And you've heard me talk about beneficiaries on the show. But the importance of um, making sure your beneficiaries match who you want your you know items to go to. So I'm going to start off with um, this first one here. And the, the comment goes like this. How did you decide where to retire to? Are you in the process of figuring it out? I'm trying to figure it out now. It can be very stressful finding your forever place. What struck me or kind of what stuck out to me with that comment was forever place. And the more and more I talk to retirees, I mean, I've been doing this now for over 22 years, 
uh, in financial services for over 22 years. And the more you know, people I talk to lately, it seems like they want to be more mobile for retirement. They don't necessarily want to be tied down to a certain area. And I kind of find that interesting, but I agree with it at the same time. My wife, Maggie, and I, we talk about it all the time. You know, when our kids kind of land somewhere, we are we are currently in the midst of of college planning for my oldest of, you know, one of two two kids. My oldest, she is graduating this year, and it's just kind of wild to be uh, to be thinking about doing college. And this month, the month of March, we're starting to hear back from all of the different schools that she applied to. And, and so, you know, the conversations that we have, uh, my wife and I, is, you know, one of these kids, you know, these kids are going to go off to school somewhere. We don't, it's probably not going to be down the street, uh, probably going to be in a different state. And, you know, where, where are they going to land? Does that dictate, you know, kind of where we live? And some of the things that we talk about is kind of having like a home base, you know, I've built a, a very successful business here in Northern California. I've got clients all over the U.S., um, especially with, you know, technology these days, Zoom calls and all that good stuff. I've got clients everywhere. So we think, well, maybe we have a home base somewhere and we kind of travel or have, you know, multiple places to stay, you know, around family. And I've had that conversation with clients, um, you know, recently because, in today's day and age, we're just kind of spread out, you know, all over the place. You know, it's not like even, you know, maybe 30, 40 years ago where, you know, family pretty much, you know, stayed close to each other. That was very normal. Now the normal is having kids spread out all over the U.S., you know. And so I don't know what you're thinking with that planning do you want to you know do you want to be near your kids you know maybe you've got grandkids now and and you want to be near them and so when i think about or or i have these discussions about finding that forever place that sounds so definite that sounds so final um with so many people leaving certain states and going other places it's like nope i'm out of here you know and, and this is it it's like well does it have to be it i think today we can you know you can find a different you know, way or plan to, you know, be near family. Um, especially it's important in retirement. You start getting to a certain age where, I'm, again, I keep kind of going personally here. Not only are we are we looking at our kids in college and so forth, but we're looking at our parents, you know, getting to a certain age. And let's face it, guys, you get up to a certain age and you're probably going to need some help. And it would make sense to be near your kids, right? For the most part, unless you got no relationship with your kids, which 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 is sad, um, but that happens. But you know, let's say for example, you do have a great relationship with your kids. Wouldn't it make sense to probably live near them in case you need help? They they don't have to jump on a plane to come see you. And so my wife and I were dealing with that as well. You know, we're dealing with if we go see you know our parents, we got to jump on a flight and go see them. So. Starting to have those discussions, you know, where they're going to live when um, they start getting to that point of needing help. And that's a discussion in and of itself of, uh, of asking for help, you know. We're independent. We're all human beings. We don't want to ask for help. Um, but it's interesting that we always want to give help when asked. Huh? Think about that one. Okay. 
This next uh, mailbag I want to get into, um, I actually got some special permission from this one because this one was, you know, really talking about something personal going on in their life. So I definitely want to ask permission to be able to, to talk about this on a live radio show. I'm not going to mention her name, but um, I am going to read the post and then kind of give my thoughts on it. And it starts off this way. Um, cautionary tale, please check that your beneficiaries match who you want to receive your assets when you are no longer here. My mom wrote her will with 90% of her assets going to her kids. Unfortunately, she never changed the beneficiaries. Therefore, the will was useless. My dad got everything because he was the beneficiary on everything. They were still married when she passed. He claims that she didn't know what she was doing. Legally, it's his. It would have taken one day to make the necessary changes, but she assumed a will was enough. And then she posted an additional note to that to that post and said, My dad was fully aware of my mom's wishes. He was there when they showed us their wills. We never asked for anything but a few items, such as pictures, gifts that we gave her, etc., it's not about being married. It's about respecting one's wishes. If you want your spouse to have everything, that's cool. But if you want something to go to someone else, money for college, an aid that helped you over the years, then you need to spell it out legally so that what you want is honored. We all want different things. We know what today looks like, but not tomorrow. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a powerful, powerful post. And I think so many families actually deal with this um, because they don't take the time to do this kind of estate planning. Or when they do the estate planning, um, they don't review it. They don't update it. Um, and I, you know, with, with our clients, I'll just give you kind of a sneak peek into how we do stuff. We, we always yearly at our annual reviews talk about beneficiaries. Are your beneficiaries the same? Have there been any changes to your beneficiaries or your family dynamic? Is there something that needs to happen? And usually, probably about 20% of the time, um, each year, about 20% of the time, you know, somebody says, you know what? Um, we do need to change that, you know, whether it's a birth or a death or, you know, one of the kids is is kind of going through some some issues and, and maybe you wouldn't be trusted with half a million dollars if they got it all at once. You know, whatever the situation is, if it calls for that type of planning, it, it needs to be done and needs to be updated. You've heard me give the example of, of, um, of uh, which kind of goes along with this, not changing the beneficiaries along the way. And, you know, that's a big deal because even if, you know, you're having a family meeting around the dinner table and talking about stuff and like, you know, Johnny's going to get, you know, his favorite, the favorite coin collection and, you know, Carrie's going to get the piano and, you know, you kind of know what I'm saying. There's certain items maybe that are of sentimental value that would want to be passed on. Um, you know, my parents are, are like that. We, we know like my, myself, I have a sister and her family's very musically inclined. Mine, not so much. Um, but you know, my mom, my mom and dad, they have a, a, a grand piano a Steinway baby grand piano that they've had for years. It was built in like 1850 or something crazy. And my brother-in-law, he, I mean, he is a beautiful musician, plays the piano, plays the organ. My sister's a singer. You know, music just is in their home. And 
You know, he's always loved that piano. Well, my mom said, well, guess who gets the piano one of these days? That's right. My brother-in-law gets that piano, my brother and, and my, my brother-in-law and my sister. So, and I'm like, absolutely, you guys deserve to get that piano. Now, I myself, I'm more of an outdoorsman, so I get the guns, you know, I get the sporting equipment, I get, you know, stuff like that. But we talk about those things. You know, those are conversations that we often have, you know, around, you know, or had around the dinner table. My mother passed away six years ago, and it's kind of crazy. We just came up on it the, the first of this month. Um, six years, man, it went by quick, out of nowhere. And, you know, it, like like this lady said at the end of this post, we know what today looks like, but not tomorrow. And that's what happened with my mom. They had all kinds of plans, all kinds of things they were going to do. And it's just a few more months till she reached the age of 70 and she was going to flip on social security that she'd been postponing. And then she and my dad were just going to live retirement and have a great time. She passed at the age of 69, unexpectedly massive stroke. Tomorrow is promised to nobody. So that's why it's so important to get estate planning done. If you haven't done that, um, I highly encourage you, I would say probably eh, 50% of the people who come in to see me, they, they have not yet created a will. Um, they don't have wills or, or a trust for their family. And I think those items are super, super important. Um, I have them personally um, for our family. And it's just a great way to, um, to make things legal. Because at the end of the day, things happen, guys. I've seen it with families. I've seen it within my extended family. Someone passes away when money's involved, when inheritance is involved, um, sometimes not good things happen. And that's when you can have a legally binding document that can spell out what was to happen and making sure that that document is honored. And a lot of times that could be a fight in and of itself, but at least the beginning stages, something's written, something's put down on paper, signed, these are my wishes you know, and, and, and making sure again, that you update your beneficiaries. You need to do it every single year. Just do a review. doesn't mean you need to update it every single year, but review it. And if you do notice something like a big life change, you may need to amend your trust. You may need to update your wills, things like that. And so staying on top of that is super, super important. But again, if you haven't done that, um, I would highly recommend you do it. Now, we have referrals that we can give you. We work with a number of different attorneys that do estate planning. We also have um, more economical ways of doing it. We can show you some areas online where you can you know, pay a, a substantially lesser fee than if you go to an attorney. Um, again, thanks to technology these days, we've got tools at our disposal that you can maybe even cut the cost of, of that estate planning in half. So if you got questions about that, reach out to the office, email me, text me, um, or schedule a phone call, and would love to give you a, a list of those names and places that you can go for that. So those are beneficiaries, guys. This kind of segues into, very nicely, I should say, into a... a a question about IRAs. So that's what I'm going to head into next is some IRA frequently asked questions, but also um, an article that came out not too long ago from Ed Slot and Company. I want to make sure I give them plenty of credit here. Um, came out just a day or so ago by Sarah Brenner, JD, Director of Retirement Education. And, the, and 
the topic is naming a minor as your IRA beneficiary. So this is specifically to IRAs. Um, and I wanted to kind of, because I get that question a lot, like what if I wanted to, you know, name my grandkids as one of the beneficiaries of my IRA and they're not yet age 18? Well, this is the way you can do that. If you want to leave your IRA to an adult, you can, that's simple. You name the person as the IRA beneficiary. Simple, done. You can put the percentage next to it. Boom, easy. When a minor inherits retirement dollars, though, that's when it can get a little bit dicey. Um, what you need is you're going to be needing to name a guardian of that account, and a guardian could be named in, you know, the parents' will, uh, uh, grandparents' will. Uh, some beneficiary designation forms allow the nomination of a guardian. Um, at the same time, a court can also appoint a guardian, but that that's the direction you really don't want to go. That can be expensive and a really really long process. But the other option is to name what's called a custodial account for the minor on the beneficiary form. You can open up what's called a, a UGMA or a UTMA, and what that stands for is a Uniform Gifts to Minors Act or the Uniform Transfers to Minors Act, and it just kind of depends on state law and where you're located, um, what type of account you're going to use there. But what you do is you open this custodial account established under one of these names, and the IRA owner also names uh, uh, the custodian of the account on the beneficiary form. So if you want to name, say, Aunt Janet as the custodian of the account, what happens is the money that you want to pass to your kid or grandkid goes into this minor's um, account, this custodial account, and then Aunt Janet is the custodian of the account while they're under age, and according to your wishes, according to your will, to your trust, will pay out the way that you need it to. And so with IRA owners who have large balances who want even more control after death, you could name a trust established for the benefit of a minor beneficiary. That's a little different than just naming the trust as beneficiary. There are special minors trusts out there that can handle this type of money. Um, but then the rules start getting a little complicated when you start talking about required distributions from inherited IRAs and things like that. So you want to be dealing with attorneys that have, and CPAs, who have a lot of uh, experience in creating these. The SECURE Act and some of these new proposed regulations, they still maintain that quote-unquote look-through trust rules um, that existed prior to some of these law changes. Um, but if a trust for a minor child of the owner meets the requirements and the child is the beneficiary of that trust, then RMDs can actually be stretched over their life until they reach the age of 21, and then that 10-year rule applies. So, again, don't really quote me on that. I'm not an attorney. There's my disclaimer. Not a CPA. Talk with those pros about that. But there are ways that you can pass on your wealth in the most tax-advantageous way um, to a minor. Okay, I've got time for one more IRA FAQ here. And the one I'm going to talk about is kind of a simple question I get a lot. And that is, can I even make a contribution to an IRA or a Roth IRA? And here's the main, the main kicker to answer this question. Do you have earned income? You have to have earned income in order to make a contribution. The safe harbor, if you will, definition of earned income is W-2 income. And what you can do is contribute the amount of your earned income or the contribution limit, whichever is less, and any taxpayer with earned income can make an IRA contribution 
with the following exception. If your income exceeds certain limits, you will not be able to make a Roth IRA contribution. Um, the income limits will increase each year for inflation, and we see that go up. If you're over the age of 50, you get what we call ketchup. We'll sprinkle a little bit of ketchup on those contributions because you can actually contribute $1,000 extra on top of the limit. So there are some things you can be doing there to continue to make contributions. Um, I do have time for one more because this one often comes up along with that, and that's this. Can I contribute to an IRA or a Roth on behalf of my spouse who does not work or who makes less than the contribution limits? The answer is yes. You can contribute on behalf of a non-working spouse. The contribution rules are the same for the non-working spouse as they are for the working spouse, but there are ways that you can do that. Now, if, again, if you got questions about anything I talked about here, would love to hear from you. I want you to go to talktopatrick.com and find my online calendar there and simply find a day and a time that works for you. Reserve it. And I'll give you a call. You can answer any questions about your IRAs, about beneficiaries, about all that good stuff, about the importance of estate planning. Now, I'm going to go to a quick break, but when I return, I'm going to do my action items and wrap-up segment. You do not want to miss that, so don't go anywhere. I'll be back in two minutes. All right, everybody, time to wrap this show up, and we are headed now into our action items, and this is the area of the show where I want to kind of give you two or three. Today, I've got three action items that you can do to implement based on what we talked about on the show, and um, before I do that, though, just a couple of things. If you haven't had the opportunity or if you're just joining us right now at the tail end of the show, remember this is a live radio show, so... Um, if you are listening to it on the radio, it's going to be over here in just a minute, but you can always catch a replay of it, or if you like podcasts, um, you can catch a whole bunch of our, our last shows, a number of different ways. If you don't know what a podcast is, I want you to call up your kids and say, how do I get, how do I find a podcast? They'll help you do it. Um, but if you, um, have Apple podcasts, you can find us there. You can find us on Amazon music, Spotify, Pandora, all the major um, podcast listening, or you can go to patrickmcnally.com. Just simply go to my website, and up in the right-hand corner, um, click on the radio tab. You can you can listen there as well if you missed any of the show, or if you want to hear some of the past shows. Um, so that's a couple ways you can do that. If you want a copy of my book, I want you to visit patrickmcnally.com, and right there on the first page, give me a little bit of information. Tell me where to send the book. We'll get it to you right away. The book's free. And uh, we'll get that into your hands as a thank you for listening to the show. All right, the very first action item I want to start with is reviewing your investment allocations and asking yourself, do they match your current goals and planning? In the first part of the show, we talked about um, the different types of investments that you have access to. And we talked about stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, a little bit on annuities. Um, I am going to kind of designate a special show to annuities because in retirement, people usually have a whole lot of questions about annuities. Are they appropriate? What are the different types? Do I need one? I've heard all kinds of horrible things about them. So I'm going to basically designate an entire show um, to that type of um of type of investment product. We also talked about three worlds of investing. What's the right percentage for you? And that's kind of what this is getting at. I want you to review your current 
allocations. How are you invested? If you're still working, if you've got a, a, a plan still at, at your work, like a 401k, have you? when's the last time you looked at it? Um, don't feel ashamed if it's been like over a year or like five even. You know, sometimes people set it and forget it, and oftentimes that can be the best thing to do, to be quite honest. Um, then you're not making emotional changes. But I would I would recommend taking a peek at it, especially if you're about five years or less to retiring. You want to look at how you're allocated, maybe considering, you know, do I have too much in equities? Do I have too much in this or that? And talking to your current advisor, or if you don't have one, and especially if you're heading into retirement, that is my specialty. That's what our firm, Retirement Lifestyle, specializes in, is retirement income planning. Review the investments and see if you need to make any changes. Number two, review and update your beneficiaries. And I'm going to tell you to do this annually. Not necessarily updating. You may not need to do any changes, but at least look at the different beneficiaries and how they're listed. And I'm not talking about your trust. If you got IRAs, Roth IRAs, retirement accounts, you list beneficiaries directly on those accounts. And even if they're different on your trust, if it ever ends up in a court of law, the judge will rule in favor of how it's listed on the retirement account paperwork, the paperwork filed at the custodian. Um, it, it basically trumps the trust, if you will. So you want to make sure those bennies are correct. Make sure you've got your estate plan in order and make sure that you're passing on you know, your life savings, the, the, the life that you built. If you own something and you love somebody, don't pass them on a tax burden. Pass them on tax-advantaged way to inherit your wealth. And, um, and I also want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you to have open discussions with your family about these things. Um, that's just the best way to do it. The worst way to do it is that they don't know what's going on. They know that maybe you had a copy at one time, you showed it to them 25 years ago, and then they never saw it again. And then they find out about it, you know, two days after the funeral, and it can lead to big fights. So I'm going to say openly discuss this with your family, um, make them a part of it, include them. It's going to save a lot of, a lot of heartache down the road. Um, my next action item, kind of this leads right into it. If you haven't done any estate planning, it's time to do it. No more excuses, no more procrastination, time to get it done. We'll help you. I'm not an attorney, but I know a whole bunch of them. I also know some ways to save money if, if the costs of an attorney are a concern. We've got other tools that you can utilize, and we can help you with that and steer you in the right direction on how to create a will and a trust very, very cost-effective and affordably. Um, so you have no excuse not to do this. It's time. Trust me when I tell you that easily half the people that come to see me age 60 plus have not done estate planning. You guys need to get this done. Okay, those are my three action items. Time to get to work. Again, if you want to talk to me, I would love to hear from you. Visit talktopatrick.com. Find yourself a day and a time that works, and we can have an amazing phone call. If you're getting close to retirement, now's the time to do some planning. I'll be back at it again next week talking about investing for retirement versus investing in retirement. And with that, I'm going to wish you the best in retirement. Take care. Have you seen